everybody. Happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers in the house. Um, I got blessed this morning because my wife got me a card, and I was just reminded how good it is when God blesses you with a good wife. And um, she just wrote some special stuff in there. I was reminded how God even gives us each other to find refuge in. And uh, I'm just so blessed. She's good looking, too, so that helps the cause. And um, just so thankful for that in my life. And, you know, I get brownie points for that. That's why I do it up here. And um, so I personally love the Psalms. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I read it um, to my daughter at night when she's playing with a Barbie sometimes. And we'll get to like a Psalm 44. And I'm saying, don't hide your face from me, God. And my soul's in the dust. And have you forgotten about me? And she kind of looks up with her Barbie's like, Donna, is this okay? What are you reading to me here? So I'll be getting some peace before I go to sleep. But I tell her and I remind her that there's going to be times of trouble in this life. That as a Christian, God does not promise us that we won't suffer because we serve a homeless Savior that got pinned to a tree, who died for us, who suffered for us, who was tormented for us. But he says to deny yourself and follow him, that you will be suffer, you will suffer, but there will be great reward. And you can find refuge in him even in your greatest times of trouble. No matter how close your trouble feels, he is even closer than that. And that's so important to remember. And I love reading how David was in those times of trouble when he felt like he was just down at the bottom of the well, when he was in a place of jackals, because it makes me feel that I'm not as messed up as I thought I was. You know, coming from that health, wealth, and prosperity where they said, you know, every year you get a thousand more square feet on your house, and you know everything, you smile in front of everyone, everything's okay. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we will suffer. We live in a fallen wor- world, but we have a God who loves us and who cares for us and has, who has given us the real treasure, and that is himself. And so, as I look through the Psalms, and I see the roller coaster ride that <coughs> David went through and the other authors of the Psalms, and I hear prophets like... Uh, Jeremiah, and I hear Job, and I hear them, sometimes they sound downright suicidal. They sound, some of them are cursing their mother's womb. Some of them are cursing the day they were born. I say, okay, it's okay to feel like that. And I'm sure everyone here has felt that at one time or another. They felt like, I can't go on. They felt like, is God even with me? Is he even for me? Does he fight for me? And this chapter tells me that he does. The Spirit of God reassures me that we are children of God, that he fights for us, that he loves us, that he died for us. And the Psalms are always projecting these images into our minds. Um, One is the Lord is my shepherd. That's one of my favorite chapters in the Psalms. I haven't tended to sheep myself or seen people tend sheep, but I know that shepherds, they care for the flock. They lead the flock. They bring them the greener pastures. I know if one goes astray, that he will go and get that lamb and he will bring them back to the flock. That if sheeps, uh, sheeps, that if wolves come, if bears come, they will protect the flock with everything they are. In the same way God fights for us, he protects us with everything he is. Another one in Psalm 1, another image, is um, that the righteous are like trees planted by the river. I want to be a tree. I want to be planted in the gospel. I want to have the spirit of God nourish me and grow me so people can find shade under me. 
so I will bear fruit in the right season, so my leaves don't wither and fade away. I want God. I want to be rooted in Christ, rooted in the gospel. I want him to be my strength and my fortress and my song. I want that. And then we get to today, God is our refuge. So what is a refuge? A refuge is a place where we're safe from danger. We're safe from harm. When we're safe from difficulty, where we find comfort and we find warmth. My place of refuge is my home. My 962-square-foot home in Wakefield, that's where my family is, my wife, my children. That's where I can go to get away from the stresses of life, of work, of all the cuckoos out there. It's so nice. I love just being in my home. We have a Wii. We play Super Mario Brothers. There's a lot of fun in the Thompson household. I just love being there. And God is telling me that he's a refuge to me. Refuge, the word, is used 97 times in the whole Bible. 49 of those times it's used in the book of Psalms. And 12 other words are used, different variations of the word refuge, such as rock, shield, fortress, dwelling place, strong tower, shadow. All those words are used. God is trying to get a point across to us. He's trying to tell us that he wants us to run to him. He wants us to find strength in him. He wants us to be covered by him because he is for us. He is with us. And how would the original hearers have heard this psalm? One of the authors that I read when I was preparing for this message, he broke the psalms down into four categories. A psalm of hymns where there's praise. We praise God as a redeemer, a creator. Psalms of Thanksgiving, where you wake up and you're just thankful for everything. Everything you see, you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my wife, my children, my church. I love everything. Then there's songs of lament, which we spoke about last week. We were saying, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Where are you? I thought you loved me. Have you forgotten about me? And then there's songs of confidence, like this one. Our God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains are moved, though the oceans roar, I will not fear. They would have heard this psalm, and they would have wanted to kick some windows out in the place. They would have remembered how God had been their refuge, how he had chosen them, and he would call them as a unique nation, how he had delivered them from slavery when they were in Egypt, how he had delivered them with all the judges, Samson and Gideon, and all the judges, how he had led them into the promised land with Joshua, how he had delivered them time and time again in all the battles they were in. Because they knew that it wasn't their swords that were slaying the enemy. It knew that it wasn't their shields that were protecting them from the arrows of the enemy. They knew it was the spirit of the almighty God that was covering them. They would have been given great confidence, and they would have said, God has our back. And that's how we should feel. Now, that was to the Israelites. Is that really relevant to me? Absolutely. That is relevant to everyone who is in Christ. Because just like the Old Testament saved, was saved by looking forward to a Savior, we are saved by seeing a Savior, and everyone is saved and protected and is safe because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has our back. We need to know that. He is for us, that he fights for us. This is a different kind of prayer. This isn't, Lord, where are you? This is God. You are with me, and I know it. I was in a place of jackals for the past six months. It was just rough stuff. 
I've never been so low in my life. I really, I, I'll be honest, everyone suffers a little more than someone else, and there's always someone who suffers more, more than you all the way to get to Jesus Christ, and no one suffered like him. So I don't want to belittle anyone's suffering here. So if you're suffering, that's okay. You don't have to, just because someone might have had a greater tra- uh, tragedy, doesn't mean that you're not still suffering. And I just went through a crazy time in my life <coughs> where I really didn't know if I was going to make it. I questioned everything. The foundation of my life, it, it just it shook. I, um, I questioned if I even wanted to pastor anymore, if I wanted to preach. I didn't realize people were as messed up as they were. I should have known because I live with myself every day. And so I was just so broken. I, I just went through a time of such sickness, too. Everything just hit at once. It was like the perfect storm. I got sick. I went through such trials and tribulations. I felt like everything let go from underneath. And I was in my house one night. And my family was on the way home. And I, I was so broke. And I, I hate to admit this, but I was listening to iTunes. And it's the stupidest song. But John Mayer, I was listening to John Mayer. So I like country music, and I'm not ashamed to say it at Seven Mile Road. I've been to Country Fest. And so I was listening to John Mayer, and you know that song, Say What You Need to Say? It's like they put it, it's so corny. They put it on the Hallmark commercials. And I think any song would have got me at that point because I was so broken. All of a sudden, I'm listening to this stupid song, and I start breaking down, like not just weeping, not just like shedding a tear if you're watching a notebook and you're trying to cry out of the left side of the eye so the wife doesn't see you. This was deep from the soul, that kind of, I'm broken, I got nothing left, I hope my family doesn't come home right now. And I was just weeping from the bottom of my soul, like, to say what you need to say. And um, wouldn't you know it, my, my family pulls in the driveway, and I'm not done, I still got a lot in the tank. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to go hide or something, I got to get away. So I try to hide. We have two bathrooms in this little house. We got one bathroom. My daughter calls it the girls' bathroom. And we got this half bathroom that's always a mess and there's always hair in the sink and stuff. So I went into the men's bathroom to try to hide. And so my family, because I had been sick and stuff, <coughs> they were coming to uh, see how I was doing. And I said, here we go. And my whole family is going to see me weeping like this because I, I just needed refuge so bad. So they opened the door. And they saw me just weeping there. And I, I just remember crying out and saying, Lord, I felt like you wasn't with me anymore. I said, I felt like I failed. I felt like God's not with me. I was just so broken. So I know how it feels to be at the bottom of the well. And so for the first time in a while, I woke up Thursday morning, and I felt like God was for me. And I know we're not supposed to go by feelings, but it feels good once in a while when you can feel it. I felt like God was for me. I woke up so happy, and I said, you're still with me. And I just want to encourage you guys. He's still with you even in those times. And he fights for you, and he's with you. And so I just want to talk about we're all going to run to a refuge. The question is, what refuge are you going to run to? Because we all run to a refuge. You know, some people run to pride. This is the guy smoking the Winston non-filters. You know, just he's on a diet of whiskey and kerosene, and he shoots that passing buffalo. That guy. You know, he just doesn't think he needs community. He doesn't think he needs help. He says stuff like only messed up people go to church if that works for you. Have you met that guy? They don't need a savior. So I'm driving with my father, and I hate to say God love him and I respect him. He doesn't know Jesus, but he's one of those guys. I've only seen my father probably 10 to 15 times in my life. He's in a hospice right now. 
could die any day. He's had three heart attacks, lived a wild lifestyle. And so we're driving along this road. And I said, man, you know, you're, you're on your deathbed right now, basically. I said, do you ever need anyone to talk to? Or do you ever cry? He said, absolutely not. I said, that's why you've been addicted to stuff for the past 30 years. Because you need a refuge. Because you need strength. Because you need a fortress. And until we admit that we have a big problem, one big problem that's called sin, that we can't remedy ourselves, then we'll never run to the right refuge. We'll always run to these other refuges. And I said to him, and I pray for him every night, and I hope he finds the true refuge, the eternal refuge, the life-giving refuge of Christ. But it's so sad to see people run to refuges that are not sturdy. They're not strong. They're not a fortress. When I was young, I served in a homeless ministry with my parents. We'd go into the city of Boston and we'd provide clothing, food, and we'd share the gospel. Homeless people would be living with us. It was just, it was great, but it, look, it was crazy. we just go in. And so when we got into these winter months, when it's so cold, sometimes we'd go looking for people to make sure they found shelter. We'd look under the bridges. We'd look in alleys. Because sometimes people wouldn't realize they needed shelter. And I remember going to this alley once, and it, this, this experience really stood out in my mind. I was walking down this alley. I'd probably be 9 or 10 years old. And I saw this, like, makeshift shelter. It was made out of cardboard. And I said to myself, there's no way someone's living in that shelter. There's no way. We went there. We looked in there. There was a woman, an image bearer of God. Out in this New England weather, 10 degrees out, I'm cold and I'm wearing like a snowsuit. Minus four with the wind chill. She's in the shelter. And the worst part of it is she thought that that was protecting her against the elements. She thought this cardboard refuge was protecting her against the storm. She thought she was safe in there. She couldn't have thought she was warm in there. I remember thinking to myself, we've got to get to our shelter. Why is she turning to this? Why is she going there? I don't even remember what happened because that stuck out so much. But that's how we are when we run to any other refuge but Christ. We're running to a cardboard refuge that the wolf is going to blow over. That is of no help. That is a temporary refuge that we will get beat up in. So let's build this refuge a little bit. The foundation of this refuge, the cornerstone of this refuge is Christ. It's built on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we have nothing. To see him is to see the Father. To know him is to know God. Without him, we have no refuge. We have no hope. We have no strength. He is the foundation. I'm a tradesman, so we're going to build a refuge a little bit right now. And I'm sure there's a lot more bricks in this refuge. But so we have the gospel. And all these bricks are aspects of the gospel. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. We have the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit. Never forget that God is in you. Never forget that he is with you. If you know good doctrine, you know that the Holy Spirit came and regenerated you, and he sealed you onto the day of uh, redemption. He will cause you to persevere, He's called the comforter for a reason, because he fights for you. 
Because he's there to comfort you in times of trouble. He's there to speak truth into your life. And if you have a little Pentecostal in you, even at times you can feel his presence with you. Those times of feeling God's presence have kept me through the darkest times of my life. Where I just know that God's real. Where I know that he's with me. And I know the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me. I need to be reminded of that. That he's with us. Once in a while, my daughter, she'll have a nightmare. <coughs> and um, we'll play like musical beds. Anyone that had a few kids knows you play musical beds. I get up, go in that bed, and then she wakes up, Kira. Kira goes in the other bed. Then I'm sleeping in a bed about two by four. My legs are hanging off it, and I'm only 5'8". And she'll, have, she'll wake up again in the night, and she'll look over, and she'll reach over to make sure her daughter's still there, that he's with her. And once she knows that her daughter is with her, she'll feel safe, she'll feel protected, and she'll fall back asleep. We need to be reminded that God is with us, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that he fights for us more than any earthly father could. He loves my daughter more than I could ever love her. Now, I know I would break some heads, I would kill some people if they ever tried to attack my daughter, and I believe it would be just war. Imagine how much more God fights for us. Imagine how much more he loves you. And that wasn't, it was demonstrated so greatly on the cross. I don't want to go too far ahead because I want to get to the cross. But let's put a few more bricks on this refuge. The next one is the word of God. How many times in my life I've turned to the word of God. It's been a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus was the word. He lived the word. He prayed the word constantly. He prayed the Psalms. If you read closely enough in the scripture, Jesus prayed the Psalms. He taught from the scriptures. When he was tempted in his darkest hour, he said, it is written. He stood on the word of God. In the same way, we need to stand on the word of God in our toughest times. We need to speak truth into our life and find refuge in his word. Another brick is grace. Now, Spurgeon says, that the river that they talk about that makes glad the, the city of God <coughs> is um, the river of grace. And I think about the body of Christ. And I'm in soul care. I know how messed up we are. So I know we need so much grace. So much grace. If it wasn't for grace, we couldn't even be talking about going before God to pray. Because if it's by works, we have no hope. If it's only the quote-unquote good people get to heaven, no one's going to be heaven. It's going to be the Trinity and the angels and going to be having a good old time. Because no one will be boasting in heaven. Everyone will be singing the praises of the Most High God who gave us undeserved love. Because we're sinners and we need refuge from our sin. How many times do I have to run to this refuge to find grace from my pride, from the attitudes of my heart? I judge left and right. I think I'm too awesome. I exalt myself above God. I need to run to the refuge of the cross. And this refuge is not for the righteous. This refuge is not for someone who has it all together. This refuge is for the broken. This refuge is for the meek. This refuge is for those who mourn over their condition. This refuge is for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. This is the refuge that we can run to. 
I grew up in a legalistic system. I lost my salvation in my mind five to ten times a week. I said, I can't do it. I mean, how many times can I rededicate my life to the Lord? I can't go up to the altar one more time. But until I learned grace, until I learned how messed up I really was, I couldn't really experience the love of God. I couldn't get the gospel. I couldn't know the gospel. All of a sudden, it made sense that God loved me not because of anything that was in myself, but he loved me because of his goodness. Because he chose to blot out my sins. Because he chose to cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. We need to live in that. We need to wake up in that. We need to find joy in that, in that refuge. This is truth. This is not something we want to believe to make ourselves better. This is the truth of the almighty God. This is the word of God that we stand on. Another brick in this refuge is hope. Oh, man, it's horrible when you lose hope. It's horrible when you lose hope. David said, my soul would have fainted if I didn't think that I'd see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So I have hope for eternal life, of course. I want to see lost loved ones who are in Christ. I want to get this burden of sin lifted off. I want to see God face to face. I want to experience joy unspeakable. And I know the Father is so loving that it's beyond anything that we could imagine. People are getting all wound up about Avatar. Imagine how much better the creator, the original designer, is going to make a nice little refuge for us. But I have hope that God will redeem in the land of the living. I have hope, even from this church, that we'll plant many churches and people will come to the gospel and families will be saved and people will be saved and lost souls will come to Christ. I have hope that all of us will walk in our calling and we will become the most we can be in Christ and become worshipers of him and his name will be exalted among the nations, like it says in this chapter. I have great hope in that. That fuels my tank. That helps me on my mission. I have hope that the church will arise and I believe it is. I have great hope in that. The people will be, know the gospel because it's the greatest joy you can have. There's nothing else that, that satisfies. There's nothing else. There's no other refuge that calms my soul like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And another brick, and I'm sure you guys will find many other bricks. I'm just throwing a few. We only have so much time, so I'm just throwing a few bricks out there. It's community. Remember that he has given us each other to lean on. He has given us the body of Christ to lean on. I, I've been in soul care for a little while now. At first, I was like, these dudes are being way too vulnerable. I have an Italian heritage. We don't talk about what we go through. We're from Boston. I don't want to know that about you. <laughs> Keep that inside, bro. But I see that it's so important that we are able to turn to people to pray with us when we're in times of trouble. Because we need each other. God made us to be dependent beings, dependent on him and dependent on each other, to love each other, to love God and love others. So we need to learn to say when we're going through stuff. You don't have to, have to act like you, you, you don't hurt or you don't struggle. We all struggle. We all hurt. We all feel low. Jesus felt low. And if he felt low, you're going to feel low at times in this life. So, of course, when I was at that low time, I had a call the carer of souls, a.k.a. Kevin Luce. That was hard for me. That was hard for me to say, okay, I want to transition 
to go smooth. I want people to think I'm tough and I can handle anything. Last thing I need to do is call someone and say I'm broken. But I said, you know what? I'm broken. i got to call someone. So I'll call Kevin. We actually met right here. And you know how Kevin is. He doesn't really give you advice. He just asks you about 50 questions and you answer them yourself. Then you walk out of there like, why didn't you send me a survey, bro? <laughs> so I poured out my heart, and it felt good. I felt like people were fighting with me. I, I, I knew that people were praying for me. It was encouraged. Jeremiah said today, I was praying for you last night. You know, and I was hoping somebody was praying. I said, thanks, because I need it. We need to pray for each other when we're in tough times. We need to pray that we would find refuge, and we need to encourage each other in that refuge. And it helped us so much when you just pour out your soul and you're honest. So this is a refuge that is strong. And now I used to think that to be still and know that he is God, I used to picture in my mind going under a weeping willow, getting the, getting the vineyard CD, some purple ribbons blow by, maybe someone dances by with an ephod. You know, be still and know that he is God. All that is good, minus the purple ribbons and the ephod and stuff. It's good to be still at times. But that's not to be still and know that he is God that this chapter is talking about, that this text is talking about. This chapter is saying, be still and know that he is God because he has brought desolations upon the earth. He, he shatters the spear, he breaks the bow, he burns with chariots of fire. He destroys the enemies of God's people. That's how they would have heard this. They would have said, like Gideon when he had 300 people and they destroyed that army. Their enemy would have said, their God is God. And they would have said, the God, the only God of heaven and earth is for us. He fights for us. He cares for us. He's with us. He's destroying our enemies. He's bringing desolations upon the earth. He will be exalted among the nations. And some say, well, is that really, can I relate to that? Uh, you know, God hasn't de- destroyed any Philistines in my life, or Am- Amorites, or Jebusites, or any sites in my life. God hasn't done that. Can I relate to that? We have something far greater, far greater. We have the cross of Jesus Christ, where he destroyed any enemies that we have. Greater enemies than the Philistines, greater enemies than anyone who would stand against God. And the first one is sin. He destroyed sin. That day, you who are in Christ, who have been saved by grace through faith, who have repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ, will not pay the price for sin. That's good news. He has destroyed your enemy. I could not die for you. You could not die for me. We could not be sinless. We could not lay down our life. But Christ did. That's why he's the hero, the only one, the Messiah, the only one who could get it done. That's why we'll be singing his praises for the rest of our lives and all of eternity. That gets me excited. You know, people get excited about the Celts. Come on. That should get you far more excited. If someone paints their face in here, I won't mind. But that should get us so wound up that he destroyed sin. And he destroyed death. Now, I know some people say, you know, I don't fear death and this or that. So I'm one of those people... I don't fear death in the way, but I'm one of those people. Um, I'm not crazy about always going to new places. So the unknown sometimes, I like to, if I go to a restaurant, you'll, I'll find myself in the same seat at the same table talking to the same person. So the unknown sometimes scares me. 
I don't know if anyone can relate to that. But I find so much rest in the fact that God has defeated death. That when I read that scripture and I say, there's eternal life for all that believe in him. He gives life and he gives life more abundantly. That brings great refuge and rest to my soul. I find so much strength in that. That he has defeated death, that he has defeated sin, and that he has defeated Satan. We say Satan in this church. Matt said it was okay. For all those who have gone through spiritual warfare, who know that there's a real enemy out there that's against God's people and that wants to destroy our lives, destroy our families, destroy the church, God has defeated our enemy, which is a far greater enemy than the Philistines or whosoever were. He has crushed them. And so we should stand back and be in awe of that. We should be still. Now, I watch the UFC fights once in a while, and Anderson Silva was fighting Forrest Griffin. Now, Forrest Griffin is not a chump. He's a decent fighter. He's had some good wins against, like, Rampage Jackson and stuff. And they got in the octagon. Am I allowed to talk about the UFC in here? They got in the octagon. Good, I like that. They got in the octagon, and I've never seen anything like it. I knew Anderson Silva was good, but I didn't know he was that good. He kind of just shook a little and went, bang, and the fight was over. And Forrest Griffin just kind of jogged out of the place. I said, we all, no one in the whole place said anything. We all just went like this. Now, that's on a human level, of course. And God can't even be put in the same league as a cage fighter. But everyone in the room was in awe. How much more should we be in awe of God when he has defeated death, sin, and Satan on the cross in our life? And he lives today and he fights for us. How much more? We should have so much confidence. Now, how should this shape our prayer life? How should this shape our prayer life? Number one, I could come with great confidence before the throne room of God. If it wasn't for grace, if it wasn't for the gospel, I'd be doing what a lot of people do, find someone else to pray for me. Can you go to God for me? Because I'm messed up. The good news is our sins are washed away. We've been imputed righteousness, and we can go before God with confidence. And I want to turn to Jesus to learn how to pray because I think he sets the best example. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the first thing I read in that passage was it said that Jesus was sorrowful to the point of death. So that reassured me that it's okay to feel that low. Because if Jesus, the God-man, felt that low, it's okay to go through times when I feel at the bottom of a well. Then it says he did something beautiful. He fell on his face. Don't be dignified when you go to God in prayer. Don't be dignified. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to fall to your knees, fall to your knees. You don't need like a golden chalice and a golden scepter. Come to God as you are. Say, God, I need refuge. I need strength. I can't make it. Now, he was in a place of such emotional turmoil, he was sweating blood. Now, I don't think anyone sweated blood in here and been in that much emotional trauma. He was about to face the cross. He asked for that cup to pass. But he kept praying. He was persistent. So I would say, number one, have confidence. Number two, you don't have to be dignified. Speak to God just like he was your father. And he cared for you. And be persistent. Jesus prayed three times. Three times he prayed. He was persistent. He prayed all night. He asked for people to watch with him. And then he said something that is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. 
And as I start preaching more up here, you understand I say that all the time. Not my will, but thine be done. And this is where I find most of my refuge, is in the sovereignty of God. I find my refuge that he is in control, that I'm not. He chose me before the foundations of the earth. How much say did I have in that? I didn't have the say what family I would be in, what town I would be in. I had no say in any of that. God was in control of all that. And we need to remember that, that God is in control. And that's all right. Because when we have an inappropriate view of God's sovereignty, you'll be afraid of God in an unhealthy way. God is not a father who's beating up his kid in the driveway and then telling him to come into his refuge. That's an unhealthy view of God's sovereignty. He is not the author of evil. He does not give people cancer. He does not do those kind of things. He works through those things and allows them to happen for his purposes. And I might be getting some of the hyper-Calvinist work up in here. But God works through this thing, through our sufferings. But he's not the author of evil. He's the protection from evil. He wants us to come into his refuge because this world is crazy. We live in a fallen world. And you will lose heart, you will lose strength if you don't stay in Christ. So it's amazing to me, and I was, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the passion. It starts off with that scene when he's in the garden, and he's praying, and he's saying, Abba, Father. He's looking for the strength. He's looking to find refuge in his Father, which is amazing that Jesus knows. It's not amazing, but if Jesus needs refuge, how much more do we? And so he runs to God for refuge. And then the Lord, he knows in his heart that it's God's will for him to go to the cross as he always knew. He gets up and he stomps the head of that snake. I got so excited when that happened in the movie theater, but everyone was acting so civil, I couldn't really do anything. But that's how it is. We need to go to that refuge because he gives us the strength to persevere and to make it through our toughest times in life. Where we can say God is our refuge. Now, Jesus found so much refuge to go to the cross. Now, we've got to understand how much rejection this was. Rejection, is some, for me, is one of the toughest things in life. I don't know about you guys, but that is one of the toughest things. When someone you love rejects you, when someone you love hurts you, it doesn't hurt you when someone you don't know says something about you. But when someone you love hurts you and um, does wrong to you, that hurts. Imagine your own children who you created for good, pinning you, pinning you to a cross, tormenting you, murdering you, mocking you for who you are. I couldn't even imagine that. But Jesus found the strength in the Father because he knew his Father was in control. And he knew that his Father was love. So it's important we know the nature of God. That God is loving, that he is compassionate, that he is merciful, that he cares for you, and that he fights for you. This will eliminate all fear. Because when you don't think that God is your refuge, you will fear. I come from a long line of warriors. Once in a while, I'm one of those guys that forget what I'm worrying about, and i got to remember again because I forgot about it. So I need the cross. I need to know that a loving father has me in his hands. I need to know that he has destroyed my enemies and will keep destroying my enemies. And that's how I need to approach the throne room of God. That's how I need to approach prayer, with confidence that my God is for me, that he fights for me, that he loves me, and that he gives me refuge. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we just love you.
Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die for us. We thank you that you have given us a refuge that is strong, that is a fortress, that is a strong tower, and that sin, death, and Satan will not prevail against us. But you give us such comfort and such such warmth through your word, through your spirit, through your gospel, and we thank you for that. I pray that as a church, that we would approach you with confidence, knowing that you are for us, that we would remember that your spirit is with us, And that you cause us to persevere by your strength.